0: We're going to take a verse out of the book of Acts, chapter 20. We find ourselves going through the book of Acts. So Acts 20, 28 is the part that we're going to pull out. And in that verse, it says, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So as I was studying this week, take heed, um, it just stood out. I was going to jump on over. We finished chapter 20. The first time I shared chapter 20, we did the whole chapter, and the title of the message was, uh, you know, none of these things move me, not moved by any of these things. So from that, we were able to extract um, a mission statement or a vision statement uh, directly from the scriptures. And so then not moved by any of these things or something like that. And then we went to the 14 things uh, for leaders as we went through the next study in the book of Acts chapter 20. And so this should be the final one in Acts 20, but such a good section of scripture. And again, um, as I was just studying this week, that word take heed to yourselves really stood out. And that's what I wanted to touch on this morning. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, We're going to be on that mountaintop for a little while. When we get there, you'll know that we're closing the study. I'm going to, in between, throw out scriptures, so if you're taking notes, you can write them down. If not, then you can just follow along up here as we go through the section um, of scripture and, and really what the Lord has placed upon my heart. So God is ministering to his kid, me, and in the midst of that, I get to minister to you And what I'm learning. Father, we ask your blessing upon this time, and we pray that you speak to us through your word. We thank you, Lord, where we are in relationship to where you are. We thank you that you care about us, you care about where we're at, you care about the state of mind that we find ourselves in. And so we just pray that your blessing upon your word would take place this morning, and that you would open up and unclog our eyes and our ears so that we can hear what you say. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. So take heed. Take heed is defined as listen and pay attention. And so God wants his kids to be able to listen and to pay attention. And if you know the heart of God, that's a good thing. If it comes from something else or even Um, a deceptive lie of the enemy, then it can be a burden or it can be overwhelming or it can be something that weighs you down. But coming from God's perspective, taking heed, listen and pay attention. Proverbs 4.23, the Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. And so guard your heart, keep your heart, watch out for your heart. Out of your heart, out of that center of your emotions, out of that center, central of your being is a place where God wants you to be attentive to, be paying attention. And so he doesn't want us anxious. He doesn't want us worried. He doesn't want us depressed. He doesn't want us down. He doesn't want us overwhelmed. He doesn't want us burdened. And so he's, he's letting us know, hey, take heed, son. Take heed, daughter. Pay attention to the condition of your heart. Out of it is flowing the springs of life. Everything that flows from your life is coming from that central place, that central location. So Paul, here on his second missionary journey, uh, he's at Miletus, about to go to Jerusalem. He wants to be there to take an offering for the church. And in the midst of that, he kind of backs around and comes once again where he was on this second missionary journey, and he calls for the elders in Ephesus to come to him. And it's to those elders, to those leaders, to those pastors that he's communicating, hey, I want you guys to know that you need to take heed to yourselves, and then you can take care of the flock, and then you can reach out to those who God wants to minister through you. And so you're going to be no good if you don't take heed to yourselves. You're going to burn out. You're going to tire out. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be burdened. All of these different things. And so, again, that just stood out to me this week. If you don't know, we are a selfish people. We default to self and selfishness and all of these things. Remember in in Timothy, it's chapter, 2 Timothy 3, it says, but but be careful perilous times are coming in the last days men will be lovers of self and that's not what he's referring to here it's not a hey continue to be self absorbed continue to be stuck on self continue to be just all about you and have everyone everyone pay attention to you that's not what he's saying but he is saying in a positive way hey look out for yourself be careful Take heed to yourselves, because then you're not going to be able to tend to the flock. You're not going to be able to address the needs that are in front of you. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul, in the scripture, speaking to husbands, he says, No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. When Jesus was asked in Mark's gospel, chapter 12, uh, what is the greatest command? He would say, you know, love God and love people. But he said, when you love people, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as you already love yourself. And so we have a foundation that we understand that we're selfish, that we're self-centered, that we default to self. But the taking heed to yourself is a warning. Again, defined as listen and pay attention. So a negative example of this is Diotrephes in the book of Third John. One chapter book, you got this guy who is given three verses In Scripture, and the guy was not a good guy. John writes, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren, and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church." So it's not pay attention to yourself or or take heed and listen and and, and be focused on yourself in that way like Diotrephes. Loves the preeminence, does not receive us, prating against us with malicious words, uh, does not receive the brethren, forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. He then goes on to say, beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. And so what Paul is communicating here in the book of Acts in chapter 20, when he says take heed to yourself and to the church, to the flock, he's saying look out for your heart so that you can do what God has called you to do in this world. Look out after yourself in the sense that make sure that you're whole, make sure that you're healthy, make sure that you are sound, make sure that you are getting rest, make sure that all of these things are happening. In 1 Timothy 4.16, the Bible says, take heed to yourselves and to the doctrine. Continue in them for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. And so that's what Paul is communicating so that we can make sure that we take heed to ourselves by taking heed to the truth, to the doctrine, to the things that the Bible says, to the things that the scriptures say, to the light of the word that guides our path, right? It illuminates are steps for us. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, we're given a warning. Therefore, we, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. So what's the warning? We need to pay attention to what we've heard and what we've learned, the foundations of our life in the Word of God, so that we don't begin to drift. Drifting away. You ever go to the beach and I remember we were kids and we would like, all right, where's lifeguard stand number five or whatever, pick a number, right? And then before you know it, you're just splashing in the water and having the greatest time of your life. And then you look up and you're like, "Ah, 12 or 15 or 30, how'd we get here? And you know, you swear you're in trouble. You get out of the water and you run back to lifeguard station number five and you look and your mom doesn't even care. She's eating sandy food and, and hadn't even paid attention. Didn't know you were lost for however long you were drifted away And so the Bible's encouraging us, admonishing us, exhorting us, warning us, hey, take heed lest you drift. Be be careful from not getting off of the mark. In Galatians chapter 6, yeah, yeah, Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, we're told to consider ourselves. It says in verse 1, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, notice considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself, but let each one examine his own work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. We need to contrast between those two things, between the things that we need to carry ourselves and the things that we need help carrying. Sometimes we can't carry certain things, but there's things that only we can do, right? Only we can pay attention to the things that God is communicating to us through his word. Nobody can pay attention to those things for us, right? Those are our things. Those are the things that we need to do. And so in that sense, we are encouraged, admonished to consider ourselves. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, again, we're told to take heed. Now, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonitions upon whom the ends of the ages have come. The context of 1 Corinthians 13 is all of the patriarchs, all of those things in the Old Testament, they were written for us, for our example. It goes on in verse 12 to say, therefore, let him who thinks he stands, notice, take heed lest he fall. No temptation is overtaking you except such as common demand, man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so we need to take heed if we're standing, lest we fall. When I was teaching the first time in Matthew 20, I gave you Matthew 6 and verse 33. I don't even think I wrote it in my notes, but it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Now, what's the context Worry, anxiety, being overwhelmed or consumed with things, and God is saying, Look at my creation, look at what I've done, look at the hills. I dress those hills with wildflowers, Solomon and all of his wealth, he couldn't dress that well. Look at the birds. I feed them, they don't toil, they don't they don't worry, they're not overwhelmed, and yet they're alive. They're out there and I'm providing for them. Don't I care for you so much more than the birds? I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to look out for you. And so in that sense, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things, they're going to be added to you. I'm going to take care of you in that sense. That was the application. So now in Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at this entire chapter. And if we believe that God's word says anything better than we could ever say it, then to be able to read an entire chapter must mean that God has a lot to say in that chapter. And I want you to do this. So we're going to read through this entire chapter. Minimal, if not any, commentary. We're just going to read through the chapter. And I want you to either be looking at it in your Bible, I want you looking at it up here, but I want you listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to ask you, so a few of you get to share, you know, what's, what's kind of Standing out in this chapter. Now, to get to Romans 8, you have to go through 1 through 7. And to get through Romans 1 through 7, you have an incredible black backdrop laid out. And bottom line, everybody's guilty. Nobody is worthy. Nobody merits God's favor and His love and His plan. And that's the black backdrop of Romans chapters 1 all the way through seven. And so you get there and you recognize and you realize, man, there's no hope outside of Christ. There's, there's no way that I could have been able to access God without what Jesus did for me because God's standard is perfection and everybody falls short of that perfect standard. And so nothing imperfect will be in heaven. And so Jesus takes our place And we have the doctrine of the great switcheroo, your dirty, filthy, unrighteousness for his perfection. And as we were climbing this mountain of Romans 1 through 7, and you're just ascending, and you're just ascending, and you just keep getting higher, it's like you come to the top of the mountain in Romans 8, and then God speaks. There is therefore now that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. That we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God." And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called and whom he called, these he also justified and whom he justified, these he also glorified. who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of God, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written. For your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Now what stands out? as we read through Romans 8 to you. Go ahead, Richard. Uh, No condemnation. condemnation. I find it interesting, verse 1, you have this added sentence that doesn't appear in the original manuscripts until verse 4. It's, It's information that seems too good to be true. But Romans 1, 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So good, good observation. No condemnation. It means we're not condemned. Nobody can bring a charge against us. No created thing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Incredible news. What else stands out? Go ahead. Wow. So if God is for us, who can be against us? He who would not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us. God is for us. And again, if we ever doubt the love of God, what do we do? We look at the cross. That's his demonstration of love. That shows us how much God loves us. Who else? Go ahead, Calvin. Yep. That's powerful. So let me read it again just so that you guys can hear. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Spirit is praying for us, we know Jesus is praying for us, the Spirit is praying for us, interceding on our behalf for God's will, knowing the will of God. What an awesome thing. So maybe some of our prayers are like missing, the Spirit's prayers for us is not missing. Good point, Kevin. Anybody else? Go ahead, Joe. Amen. So nothing will separate us from the love of God. No created thing, and we're included in that created thing, because we're created, Right? So even we can't separate ourselves from the love of God. Now, as I was reading through this, I would imagine because that section does say in verse 4, let's find it, that the righteousness requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, Um, there may be some who would sit there and say, well, I don't walk according to the Spirit. I walk according to the flesh. My counsel to you, stop. Cut it out. You act like you don't have a choice in the matter. Stop walking in the flesh. Why? Because it's death. It's death to walk in the flesh. Start walking according to the Spirit. But I can't. It's impossible. Then the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in you and you need to get saved. If you can't walk in the Spirit, then the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in you. Because God's desiring and He wants to empower you. And if you can't walk in the Spirit, then you don't have the Spirit. And you know you've walked in the Spirit. We've all walked in the Spirit. We know what that looks like and we know what that feels like. We need to crucify the flesh and reckon the old man dead. So I'll close here. Um, I think the Lord was just, as this scripture jumped out in my life, it was just take heed. Take heed to yourselves. Take heed. That was all that kind of stood out. I was ready to move on to Acts chapter 21, but the Lord wanted me to just take heed to myself so that I could do what God was calling me to do. And the taking heed to yourself sometimes, uh, whatever that means, whatever that is, make sure, check the condition of your heart. Check your thoughts. Check your mind. Check, you know, where your emotions are going. Check uh, the anxiety, check the worry, check all of these things, and then come back to that place where you're just centered in the Lord and letting Him lead and guide you. He doesn't want to overwhelm you. He doesn't want you to be burdened. He doesn't want you to be taxed. He doesn't want you to be consumed. That's all the enemy, right? And so we need to be careful to come back to that place where nothing matters more Than our communion with God. Nothing matters more than our relationship with God. And so make sure that we're making that the priority of our days. And if we find ourselves in these places where it feels like a rat race or like a hamster on a wheel, like I think I feel like I'm going somewhere, but I don't arrive anywhere, then just stop, wait, trust, look to God. Say, Lord, where's, what's my next step? Is it just to sit at your feet? Is it to be a Mary and just just take in what you have for me to get secure in that once again? And whatever that is, then obey that, heed that, take heed to yourself so that you then can minister to the flock, minister to those who God is placing in front of you. Amen? Father, thank you for your word and just your care for us, your love for us, the concern that you have towards us. And Lord, if anybody finds themselves in a place where they're uncertain of the Spirit dwelling within them, Father, may they cry out to you, confessing their sin, repenting in their life, turning away from self, sin, and the world, and turning towards you in repentance and receiving you as Lord of their lives, as Savior of their souls, As it says in Romans chapter 10, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, then we will be saved. And so, Lord, it's in the simplicity of acknowledging that we need you, that we need to be desperate for you, that if there's one greatest decision that we can make, that one greatest decision would be to make you Lord and Savior of our life. And Lord, if we've made that decision and we find ourselves in need, I pray, Father, that we would trust that we need to look to you and find everything that we need in you and let everything else take its rightful place somewhere behind you. In Jesus' name, amen.